Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well-developed, and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host. Hello, Matt. <laughs> hey, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Uh, from the look of us, we look pretty good, I think. You know? you know, we've had a few comments about, you know, being careful, make sure we social distance. And so, yeah, this is what we've come up with. So, you know, I went a little bit more festive today with the Hawaiian look. I see you gone formal with a tuxedo T-shirt. Keep professional. Yeah, well, that's true. It is. Uh, I didn't think about that. So thank you for keeping that up. Yeah. So, hey. Do you think, wear this to the grocery store? I think it's going to get weird. Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> I wear this to bed, but that's just a whole other podcast. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> this is his stuff. Now I'm really worried. Right. Yeah. Yeah. falling off. Yeah. All right, it's out. <laughs> that's fine. I've got mine on. We're both protected <laughs> equally. All right, look. So today we're going to talk, you guys. We, we struggle with topics because, as you know, everything's pressing with COVID and everybody wants to talk about that. We're probably don't want to talk about it just because we feel like we've talked about it enough already. Pretty much. But uh, what we came up with was something that we use here at work that we really like, which is something called the Enneagram test. Now, I'm not going to lay claim to, to coming up with the idea to use it for business. There are uh, consultants and companies that will come in and administer the Enneagram for you and then help you understand how it works for your company. We first heard about it, you know, to be fair, on the Andy Stanley podcast mm -hmm. through the lens of business. So, for us, you guys, the Enneagram is a great tool for communication. So if we want to take a step back, what is it? It's been around forever. You know, some think is, is long, you know, several, several hundred years ago. Okay, I'm fogging up. Hold on. I can't do this. All right. All right. There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, several hundred years ago, it was being used um, as as a test. Um, you know, Jesuit priest, I mean, way back when, right? And so it's just working. Hold on. Hold on. Don't give me COVID. Don't spit in my eye. <laughs> And really it's now still used, right? And so there's different iterations of different versions of it, but um, we really like it. And what it is, is it gives you an idea of how you communicate and it gives you an idea of people on your team and how they communicate. And here's the thing that you guys need to hear before we dig into the types is that there are no wrong types, right? There's no right or wrong type. It's just, it's helpful to understand your own type. So it explains maybe some of your reactions to communication. And it really helps for you to understand your teammates types, because then you understand maybe why they react the way they do. Maybe sometimes their behavior seems off putting or different. When in fact, there is no right or wrong. It's just we all look at to assume that we all look at the world through the same lens would be crazy. And this is a great way to measure how we all look at different how the world or different problems or challenges or communication or opportunities, whatever those are. And it helps you understand your teammates so much better. And for us, it was just a really fun exercise as well. So I highly recommend there's a couple of free tests online. There's some questions about the validity of the free ones, but that's what we started with. It's just a simple way to do it. And this is something you could even do right now, guys. Why, if you guys are working remotely with your teams, 
have them go and take the Enneagram test online and then do a Zoom call and compare notes on what people found and have them explain how maybe how it made them feel to find out about who they were and also have other people comment about that person and be like, oh, yeah, I could see that because of this. Right. And keep it positive. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, man, we love it. It's a great test and, and it has some real longevity and proven results. So there are nine different types in the Enneagram. And again, none of them are wrong. So what we're going to do today is just walk through each type and then talk about maybe what that type looks like in your business, right? Yep. So fire away, Matt. What Number we got, one. man? All right. So I'll give you the uh, the title and give you a little description about it. So the first one is the reformer. This is a rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and a perfectionist. Yeah. So we have a couple of ones on our team. And so one is an absolute perfectionist. So the positive of that, and I think the terms they use in the Enneagram are like healthy and unhealthy, but let's just, <laughs> fogging up, <laughs> let's talk about positive and not positive. So the positives of a one as a perfectionist mean that you're going to get good work. They're going to be most happy and thriving when they're giving you really good output or really good work, right? And so that's the upside. Mm -hmm. Now, the downside can be that because they are so convicted to perfection, they can be a bit judgmental right? There can be a little bit of, hey, this is the right way to do it. And this is the wrong way to do it. Like it's black or it's white. It's right or it's wrong. There mm -hmm. is no middle ground. And as you know, there's always a middle ground, right? So if you take like a decision tree as an example, you know, um, in the book Decisive, I believe, or Decision by Dan and Chip Heath, they talk about don't narrow frame your decisions. It doesn't always have to be this or that, right? right. And most often it doesn't need to be this or that. That's actually a bad lens for decision making. So that you should really probably find some middle ground. What if it's a combination of this and that, right? And so perfectionists will tend to say, no, it has to be that this is the right way to do it. It's the only way to do it. And anything outside of that for them may be seen as lesser than or not good enough, right? And the other challenge with a one will be that they typically will suffer from, if anything, paralysis through analysis. Like this thing has to be dead on perfect, right? Yeah. And if it's not, I'm not even going to start. And that would be that personality type, let's just say in, the, in our organization, right? Because we are, one of our core values is to drive change. Mm -hmm. Well, change is messy and it's ugly and it's not perfect, right. you know, to the word, right? Mm -hmm. To the letter of the word. And so one may struggle in our organization as an example, because we are ready, fire, aim, and they would prefer to have everything dialed in 100% perfect, all data points, all eyes yes. dotted, all T's crossed, or we can't launch it at all. And so if you have that person on your team, understand that in a healthy way, they're going to help you push for absolute perfection. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. But they'll also then, you're going to help, have, you're going to have them have to uh, help them emotionally navigate what is good enough. Right. And sometimes good enough is good enough to get something out there. If you can get 80% there, we're, we're cooking with oil, right? It's not going to be 100. So you're going to have to maybe talk them off the ledge. And when you're doing this in a team meeting, have people describe that and challenge them that way. Like, have you ever felt this way? You know, talk about a project that we did here where you felt like we launched it before it was ready and it wasn't perfect and it irritated you. It's like, right. all right, great. We have a couple of those on our team. Right? Absolutely, so yeah, we do. There's great things about it. Again, there's always pluses and minuses. There's not a right or a wrong. So one is going to be a perfectionist at their core, which is good, but the downside could be a bit judgmental and they're going to want everything to be just right before they do anything. Mm -hmm. right? Cool. All right. Number two, um, this is definitely fits our mold uh, for a coach is the helper. And this is the caring, interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people pleasing, and possessive. 
Yeah. So a two through the lens of work is what we see most often. Almost everyone on our team had at least what they call a wing. So we'll take this opportunity to explain. You typically have a dominant personality and then you have what you call a wing, mm-hmm. which is sort of a, just, just think of it as like a sub or maybe a close second or something, right? So you might have the dominant one and you lean towards another one, if that makes sense, right? Everybody on our team was either a two first or at least had a wing of a two, mm-hmm. right? It's great because the twos are emotionally intelligent. They feel what other people feel. They're compassionate, right? Perfect to help in this setting, like to be a coach or a personal trainer or to be customer service. Like a two is a great, great personality type. Yep. And I was pleased to see that most of our guys had twos, at least as a wing. Now, the drawback with a two is they're going to struggle with professional boundaries a little bit. So think about in our business, like the coaches that we've had in the past that take on the burden and the problems and the drama of their clients personally, right? Mm -hmm. We've had coaches here who are real high twos, which on one end makes them absolutely amazing. In an unhealthy way, it can make them, again, a little bit maybe burned out would be certainly one way to do it. You know, we've had coaches just leave here in tears because... You know, we were making, again, we're driving change. So change is not always popular and they're getting negative feedback and they take so much of that in. It's like Mm -hmm. you can take a negative comment from a client and you take it to heart, you know, and too much of that for a two can be overwhelming because they're feeling what everyone feels, right? The possessive part, I think, goes back to more um, personal, right? Like in a personal relationship, a two can be the most giving person ever, but there are, there may be some expectations for giving back. Like if I do these things, I expect you, you're all mine, you know, kind of idea. And that could cross over to business as well in some ways, right? Like I'm going to do all these things, like I'm pouring my heart into all these people, right? And without expressing it directly, there's probably some expectation with what you'll get back. So if a two is working with a client who's a cold fish, it might be a huge turnoff because they feel like, God, I'm putting in all this effort and they're not even recognizing me, right? (laughs) So there is some possessiveness, not only of like a person, but of the reciprocity of getting back those feelings. But twos are great, man. You just have to keep them healthy by helping them understand who they are and to have professional boundaries, right? Some of that in our setting comes from the structure. When we were one-on-one training, that was really hard because people, you develop a true Mm one-on-one relationship and now you're carrying the the social aspect. The, I mean, you're carrying the whole relationship during a session. Whereas now when we're training six people, you still have the opportunity to touch people personally, which is, that's what a two gets up in the morning to do. Right. But at the same time there, it helps the structure helps those twos because there's a bit of a professional boundary. Meaning when there's six people, you don't run down the rabbit hole of too many personal issues where you can actually keep that boundary and be a coach and not necessarily be a counselor. Right. And step outside of our yeah, of your comfort zone. Awesome. All right, let's look at uh, number three. This is another wing um, that we see a lot with our coaches. This is the achiever. This is the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Yeah, so this was you, right? Yep, this would be a great person for sales, honestly, because this person is a scorekeeper, 100%, right? Mm -hmm. Like they want to be the best in everything they do. And not only do they want to be the best, but they also want to be seen as the best. So that's where that image conscious thing came in. It's like, you know, they don't want to go out onto the floor and look like they don't know what they're doing. Or maybe they this is person who might dress a certain way because there's a certain image that they're trying to upkeep, right? They like the optics of what the company's doing. Like they want to work for a company that looks smart and successful. And they want, and these are scorekeepers too. They're usually highly competitive, mm-hmm. again, which is why they lean towards sales. So the good thing is, if you've got somebody like in your position, you're putting out programs, 
you know, you, you want tangible wins. Like how many gyms do we have? You're always asking me, how many franchises do we got? Well, how many leads do we get last week? It's like, you're keeping score for a game and you right. were a, you were a good athlete and that makes sense. Right. And you still participate in athletics. So those type of people tend to be really good at sales and, and scorekeepers. Now, the only downside to that is sometimes there's things happening in a business that aren't necessarily competitive or measurable. Right. And that can be a bit frustrating for threes because everything is performance based, mm-hmm. you know, so it's funny. I think you had a wing of a two, which kind of makes the perfect balance, right? It's like the touchy feely stuff with the high performer side, mm-hmm. right? So the high performer side means you're going to keep score. You're going to push, you want to beat people. It's like, everything's a game and a competition. And like, you'll bring to me other franchise concepts and you're like, Oh, what do you think about this? Oh, we're going to kill that. Can we do better than this? And you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like, we're, it's like we're going into a game plan against someone, which I love. It's awesome. And I'm, I'm a little bit of that as well. The drawback is if it, there are times when that's not always applicable, right? Mm-hmm. And then it can seem like, what am I even doing? Like if I'm not scoring and winning and kit crushing, right? Yes. Then I'm bored. Like what's next? When are we going to blow? I mean, tell me something about when are we going to have a thousand franchises? Come on, man. Let's go. Let's get this thing rolling. It's like game on all the time. Yeah. And that's good. The thing is though, for someone like you, you, you know, I guess, and you can maybe even speak to some of the challenges that you've had, but it's like, well, yeah, but there is a lot of touchy feely stuff that has to happen, right? There are things that are happening within the business sort of this infinite game idea that we heard from, uh, gosh, what's his name? Seth Godin, I think it is. Sinek. Yeah. Oh, shit. Simon Sinek. That's it. Yep. Where, you know, the game is just to stay in the game, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, someone that's a three is going to appreciate a finite game, which means where's the friggin' scorecard, right? right? And so sometimes for someone like you, it's like, hey, man, we're doing fine. Like, you're doing great. I know there's not a score today. Like, we didn't win this, right? right. But we did this, and we're doing okay. Those just aren't things that are measurable, per se. What, mm-hmm. do, what do you think? As I mean, as, as a three, it's just you got to make up your own game sometime. Just yeah. make sure you keep challenging yourself and be like, oh, I'm going to make this post. It's going to be great or do whatever it is. You yep. just got to figure it out. Yeah. Which is definitely point. tough, right? <laughs> this time. Yeah. Time period, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. And I've seen and We've talked about, you know, our struggles around this for you because it's like, okay, it's keeping score. We're moving forward. And right now it's like, okay, we're kind of circling the wagons. We're theoretically building some new things and ideas and mm-hmm. that's fun, but there's not really a score around it per se. Yeah. And so that could be a struggle for sure. So those folks, you just need to make sure they don't get bored and that they understand that there's an infinite game going on within that. And there are finite scores to keep this game going. But at the end of the day, there's not always a scorecard and there's not always a win in every single scenario. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Number four. I don't think we see this one a lot. This is the individualist, the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed and temperamental. Yeah, this one I think is the least percentage of all people in the Enneagram test. So you could say the least percentage of the population. These are typically, you know, imagine you're brooding artist, right? That type. And they tend to lean towards these individual painters, musicians, things like that. So obviously they're highly creative, right? Um, Which is awesome. But they're typically not going to do as well in, you know, a group setting or, you know, do as well in a maybe a corporate, like hardcore, like number pushing setting, because they're mm-hmm. always going to want to do something that's on their own. They're going to be temperamental, right? They're going to want to go sit in the corner and play the guitar or whatever that is. So it's an interesting personality type. It doesn't really lend itself well to our business. We didn't have anyone on our team who even had a wing of a four, right? Could be just because percentage-wise, it's really small, mm-hmm. and that's probably why there's not a lot of people that are great painters or great sculptors or sure. you know great musicians. It's like you have to have a certain personality type to be able to do that. Yeah, it just doesn't really fit our business, right? Yeah, and I mean that's we don't use this as a hiring tool. We have another sort of how you operate. It's more tactical mm-hmm. blocking and tackling uh, assessment that we use, but this is just a good idea for more how you operate and how you think, right? 
And so I don't really quite honestly, and this is just not a negative to a four, I don't see how a four would really fit on our team the way that we currently are structured. Maybe not as their main one, maybe as a wing. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, uh, you know, if we were doing some graphics work or something, we had a marketing person on our team that was more back office who was doing that kind of whiz bang stuff that would definitely fit into the mix. We just don't, I don't see that person fitting onto the team right now, even though they're not negative. Like I like music and art as well. So like we got to have them. I just don't see them on our team right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number five, this is the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Yeah. This is your CFO perhaps, or definitely your accounting department, right? (laughs) So the negative with these folks is they can be seen as aloof, right? Maybe not part of the team, you know, somewhat detached, you know, certainly don't bring the level of enthusiasm maybe that the rest of the team brings. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, somebody's got to sit in a room and go through spreadsheets and and assess data, right. And dig through it. And it's a tough personality type to combine with a high level of energy that's needed in fitness. So again, the plus is if you can get these people healthy, they can participate enough in the team dynamics and they're going to bring something to the team that most of the skill sets in fitness don't have, which is, Hey, here's what we're finding, right? Here's the third quarter numbers. Here's what it looks like. You know, this is how many leads we have. And it's one thing to understand that, but to dig in and really enjoy that type of work mm-hmm. and thrive on it, it's a whole different personality type. Yeah. So this is, again, going to be more back office, things like that, right? You know, the negatives can be, again, is if you don't bring them along into the social aspect, they would be happy to never meet with your team at all and sit in the back office and just pump <laughs> out spreadsheets all day. We've had that. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. And, and that's okay, like as long as that's the only function. But if you're going to have somebody try to do these things, like if you have a, like here we have a general manager Manager, which in, in so many terms means sales and client retention. Well, to ask that person who has to be very outgoing, right? And probably a two, you know, mostly like mm-hmm. outgoing and connected to people and high level emotional yeah. to ask that person to then go sit in the office for eight hours and go through spreadsheets is probably going to be like, <laughs> it's a bad fit, right? right? So you really got to think about that as the owner of a business or the manager. It's like, you know, there's always a flip side of a coin, right? There's a flip side of every coin. It's like, hey, I love this one friend because they're fun and exciting and they like to party and everything. Yeah, but the flip side is they're really unorganized, right? They're always late to stuff and they drive me crazy, right? Because they, they, I can never count on them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but you can't have both. There's always a flip side. And right. so it's the same thing with the Enneagram. It's like there are going to be some positives, but you got to think of that other side of the coin. And so in this case, that other side may be, again, you got to bring them along a little bit, but it may be that they seem aloof and detached and right. somewhat bored with the you know raw, raw excitement that fitness brings. Yeah. So, I mean, for just, we got a couple more to go, obviously, but is this, would you use this just kind of help get your team into the right seats? Yeah, functions? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's not a bad idea. And sometimes you'll find like, I mean, it was, it's funny once you learn about the test and then you, then you do the test on your team. It's obvious why most of our coaches and client facing people are twos, right? With a wing of a three mm-hmm. or like you're, I think you're three with a wing two or whatever that is. makes a lot of sense. So it's almost like, well, I could probably have predicted this. Right. right? <laughs> but yeah, it's a really good idea. And I think if someone's thriving in their position, you'll find that it's pretty obvious that they fit into one of these categories. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Number six, this is the loyalist, the committed security oriented type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Yeah, I will say that as an owner and an entrepreneur and sort of a squirrel brained person, this person drives me nuts, right? This is the person where you're sitting around the table, you know, you've been conceptualizing this idea, you put it all down on paper, you're going to present to your team and you're like, guys, here's what we're doing. 
right? And half the team's like, yeah, you know, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, cool, cool, right? And then there's that one person, right, every time <laughs> who raises their hand, they're like, well, you know, if we do that, it's going to, we're going to be disconnected from our existing customers. And you're just like, <laughs> just, you just want to pull out a gun, old school, and shoot that person at the conference table, right? But here's the thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, it just sucks the life out of you, right? Me, personally. But here's the deal. And here's what you have to understand. Like those people are 100% necessary. Yeah. And the reason is, is somebody's got to say, hey, 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 wait a minute. Like if you got a whole room full of go-go, you know, excitement, who's the one person that's like, whoa, hello. Like you realize that this could happen, right? What was the study on this? What, there's in there like a... Yeah, it was on uh, chimpanzees. Yeah. And so researchers studied a, a, I don't know, what do you call a group of chimpanzees? Like a herd or a pride or a gaggle or a flock shit? I'll I don't go know. with a gaggle. A posse. <laughs> a posse, a yes. Whole, a posse. <laughs> squad. A whole squad of chimps, right? <laughs> and they observed them for a period of time and they identified what they called the anxious chimps. Those are the ones that are always crying out, like crying wolf all the time, right? Like just anxious about every little noise or every little thing or every little animal that moved. They were whack, 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 you know, screaming the whole time. And the other chimps probably looked at them like we would look at that person at the conference table like, would you just shut up, man? George, seriously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pipe down. Here's the interesting thing. After observing those chimps, they removed all of who they deemed to be the anxious chimps from the squad. Mm -hmm. Within a year, all the other chimps were dead. <laughs> so why? Because somebody's got to be in the tree yelling, you know, yeah. about, you know jaguar, don't, jaguar, jaguar, jaguar. Don't do that. Don't jump jaguar. Well, think about that through the lens of your business. Like if everybody's like partying all the time, gung-ho, right? Touchy-feely, you know, there's... There's not one person on the team who's like, whoa, 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 this could cause this, right? Yeah. So think about those people as much as they can rub like fitness, enthusiastic people the wrong way. And it's like, man, you know, fake it till you make it. And there's all this just manufactured energy sometimes around mm -hmm. fitness. You better learn to love those people because they might keep you from dying, right? The yeah. whole crowd might die and then something might kill your business. So the key is though, is to keep that person healthy. So what they can't do is, you have to coach them on maybe how to respond in a meeting, how to present that information, because it can come across at times as like really negative, right? Yeah, Where they're so. just like, well, you know, Debbie like, yeah, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. but just keep in mind, like learn to appreciate them. And if you don't have one of those on your team, you're probably going to make a couple of bad decisions, right. right? So don't let your overall enthusiasm, you know, cloud your judgment. And if you're just a go getter all the time, this is the perfect person to have on the team. So they could be really healthy, but they will drive yeah, you nuts. For sure. You need them. All right. Number seven, this is the enthusiast, the busy, fun, loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Yep. So this is my wing, by the way. This is my secondary one. It's like party all the time for yep, these folks, right? Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see it. So here, what is the great thing about these folks? They're awesome, right? They typically have a ton of friends. They go to every party. You know, they have FOMO every day. Every, they want to do everything everyone else is doing. Like, this looks so much fun. I want to do this. I want to do that. And again, there's two sides to every coin. So the, and that's fun. So that, that's the person that is the life of the party. Everybody at work loves them. They bring the energy up. Typically, it's fun when they're there. You know, you just mm -hmm. feel their presence and they yeah. have a great time. What's the opposite side of that? You already named it disorganized, maybe going to show up late, right? We've had coaches like that in the past that maybe weren't the best at, again, dotting their I's and crossing their T's, but they were so freaking impactful with clients right. that we put up matter. with it. Yeah, <laughs> we put up with it, and then you navigate around it, and you coach them. You help them understand through maybe the lens of the Enneagram, here's who you are, right? And here's the amazing attributes that you have and what you bring to the table. Here's the challenges. 
And here's some things that you, if you're just aware of it, you could be better at it, right? So you can't be late. You can't be, you know, those type of things. So, mm-hmm. but you have to make them aware of it or it's just party all the time. Well, that's what I like having just a nice system built where then they can just be that fun, awesome person yeah. and it's, they're fine. They're going to stay within the structure. Yeah. If you had like a seven, two, which we don't see a lot, but like somebody who cared about people, but also was the life of the party, like what, would that not be an amazing coach? Yes. Mm-hmm. You just have to like, make sure that there's enough structure around there that they can actually adhere to that makes it easy to follow a structure mm-hmm. so that they're just not going crazy. Right. And doing yeah. their own thing all the time, but they are a ton of fun. And like, it's a great person to be around. You just, again, there's two sides to the coin. Right. Got it. Cool. All right. Number eight. Um, this is also you, right? This is my first one. Yeah. The, the powerful. Now, this is uh, the challenger, which is the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> well, yeah. So what's the positive? Like these people aren't always in positions of leadership, but they typically are, right? right. By force of will or whatever that is. So the plus is that when the chips are down, this person typically steps up well. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy a crisis and a problem solving and it's like, okay, I'll get on top of this, right? And so it's a good, and also protective. Like as much as I push our team, you guys, it's like I'm also really protective of our guys. You know, I'm probably guilty of letting people stick around longer than they should if they're not performing and I'm trying to push them, push them. You know, they can get better and mm-hmm. like by pure force of will, we'll change this person and <laughs> probably some negatives. Now, the big negative is that you can come across as way too overbearing, right? And you don't realize that you are. So to me, as an eight, the way to resolution is through conflict. Like, I I think I've said this before, before I really understood this, we would sit in this room and I'd be like, Hey, I want people to argue with me. Like, I want that person to be like, Hey, this is bullshit. You know, this is never going to work because to me, then I'm like, Oh yeah, well, here's what we're going to do. And then we kind of conflict our way through it. right? Right. But which is crazy because there's very few personality types enjoy that type of environment, like that high conflict, right? Like, well, suck it up, get your shit done. You know, it's like, they don't like that at all. And so you just have to understand, you have to power back a little bit. You know, it's hard for me. You've noticed it with me. Like I'm always talking, right? It's like you try to talk over people or you finish people's sentences and all these things that are just really bad habits and really rude. If you understand that you can come across as an overbearing jerk in a lot of ways, you need to power back a little bit, like let other people take stage, be quiet in a meeting for once, you know, Mm -hmm. try to do those type of things as much as you can. It's going to be tough, but that's a healthy eight because the upsides to eight is that's the person you want when the chips are down to right. push your organization through or to lead you into battle or whatever that is. Right. Yeah, it leads you not to suppress the team. Right. Yeah, exactly. You just get, don't step on everybody. Right. Yeah. And so those people, you ain't going to get any arguments if you just kind of, and you go get crickets at the meetings. Right? Yeah. Well, and that was the big mistake. So you mm-hmm. probably know my history here. It's like I come out with this big idea and I'm just like driving it down everyone's throat. And then I'm like, who's got questions. <laughs> and there's like no questions. And I'm like, you people don't care. You know, like, cause to me, it's like somebody be like, wait a minute, you know, and we would go at each other with the same amount of energy. Right. It's like, that's impossible unless somebody else is an eight. Right. It's funny. We have somebody on our team who's an eight as well. And they're mm-hmm. on our team and they're also a six. So imagine somebody that comes back at you as strong as you come at them, is that Anthony? but they have, no, it's Jared. Which is great. I mean, he does great work because he's an eight. So he's like a over, he's got this personality that can be a little bit like in your face, but he also is a six, which means his in your face is the stuff that like would drive somebody crazy if it's not healthy. Right. So we kind of laugh about it now. Cause it's like, well, I don't know. That's crap. That's not going to work. You know, it's like, I'll leave you guys in a room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like fisticuffs, you know, in a couple of minutes, but But I think over time, as we understand those two personalities, they're really healthy. So it's like I can count on him 
probably challenging me maybe even more than I would like and maybe doing it in a way and pointing out holes in something that I didn't see. Right. Mm -hmm. And then over time you just work through it, then you're fine. You just understand each other better. That's really good for just as a coach though, too, because people, um, yeah, we'll follow you. They'll do what you say because they, they see that, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. It makes a great like coach of something like mm-hmm. a football coach or, you know, a sports coach of some sort or even a coach for fitness because mm-hmm. you just tell people like, hey, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And you're unwavering in your message and you come across as very self-confident even if you don't know what you're doing. And you really ultimately are very protective of your group. So if you have clients, you are protecting them and you really want them mm-hmm. to do well. Cool. All right. We're on to the last one. This is the peacemaker, the easygoing, self efficacy type advocating can't say that one receptive reassuring agreeable and complacent yeah so the peacemaker i believe if i'm not mistaken is the largest percentage really? of of people yes do we even have any here yeah i think we have a few actually uh, my wife is one so well what's funny is imagine being a peacemaker who hates conflict and you're married to an eight who thinks the way to any success is through conflict right Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make it easy, but like understanding it certainly makes it easy because you could, what happens with nines is because they just sort of roll with punches, right? So imagine just someone who just goes into work and they're cool and like, they're cool, punching the clock, team player. Today was good. I went in, I got paid. Everything's cool, right? It was fun. I like that person. They're nice, right? But don't rock the boat, right? And so imagine that person in a, an environment where you're like, hey, um, do we drive change? It's like, oh, that's hard, right? Because change is hard. And so the positive things about nine is they can be a grounding force for everyone around them because they're just going to come to work and do what's in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. Keep the peace, you know, keep the seas calm. It's yeah. nice to have a grounding force on a team like that. Mm-hmm. The negatives or the unhealthy side of it can be that they can be seen as a bit stubborn. And a lot of it is just like maybe resistance to change, Right. But they won't outwardly say, hey, I'm not doing that. Right. Because they don't like conflict. But what will happen is they might just kind of sit back. They're quiet. They seem detached. Right. And they might kind of dig in a little bit. It can sometimes be seen as lazy is a kind of a derogatory word to use for them. But in the sense that like they don't seem like they're pushing. Right. And part of it is like if you push them, they can without verbally you know, maybe challenging you, they can kind of dig in a little bit and mm-hmm. you can see it as like, Oh, this person doesn't do crap. It's the same old thing. You know, they're not looking to push. They're not looking to get better. This is somebody who might say on our team, it might frustrate us that they're not reading enough books or pushing forward or like, what's your growth been lately? You know, what are you doing to grow? Like, what'd you do during this break? Did you learn five new skills and do this and that? And maybe that's the personality of our team. And this person's like, no, I just hung out with the kids and did whatever, you know, you're kind of like, oh gosh, but that's, that can be really good on a team. And if they understand why things are happening, they might not be the fastest one to get up to speed with your new ideas, but once they do, they're very loyal Mm. and they are a very good grounding force for your team. You just have to be patient with them and you have to understand that just because they're not rah rah all the time doesn't mean that they're not on board right and they're not lazy and they're not it's just their personality type moves a bit slower right. a little bit more calculated but you need that right like again it's almost like that six that's going to stand up and say it's a terrible idea we're all going to die right that nine is going to move a little bit slower and if that's the largest percentage of the population then Certainly you need to understand how that works, right? Because not everyone's just going to change on a dime. And again, you mentioned like, what does this look like through the lens of the customers? Well, if most people are nines, imagine if you retool the setup of your studio, right? And there's a lot of people who 
they might not even say anything, but you can just tell there's like a weird energy and they're like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, you just got to give them time. They got to know why. Right. And eventually they'll make their way and then they're loyal and they come in three times a week for 10 years. Right. right. As an example, that's the kind of person you like. Right. Yeah. You just have to understand that the downsides can seem stubborn, lazy, unmotivated, that type of thing. And they're not. It's just they just operate at a different pace and a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, that is the list. You got anything else to add? No. Listen, guys, we love it. I think it's, again, it really helped our team understand each other. I would say start with just a simple exercise around uh, your team themselves. And then everyone can understand maybe why that one person is, you know, always abrasive or this person is always want to party. And you know what I mean? And always understand there's two sides to every coin. So there's always a lot of positives to every, every nine, you know, types. And you just have to understand that anything in life has a flip side to that coin. So appreciate the positives and then coach people on the negative side of the coin, if you will, if there is such a thing or the other side of the coin to just get better and to be more cognizant of how an unhealthy version of a four or a six or whatever that is can negatively affect their team if we're not careful. And that's the best way to navigate it. But if anything, it helps people understand who they are and how their lens works on the world. They'll have a couple aha moments and so will everyone on the team and it makes a great team exercise. So I'd highly suggest it. So yeah, that's it. We love it. Uh, We'll keep doing it every time we get somebody new on the team, just kind of tells us who they are. So look it up. I would do the free test first. And if you're really into it, there's a lot of paid versions you could do that take a deeper dive. Cool. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up 